Welcome to the Topeka First Assembly podcast. We hope this message serves as an encouragement to you. If you would like to support us financially, you can do so online at www.topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. We're going to get into the Word of God this morning. And uh, if you will, you can turn with me over into the book of Psalms. We're going to look at Psalms chapter 85, but it's not the only place that we're going to start out at. But, I, you know, uh, with it's Pentecost Sunday that it is. It, it's important for us. And that's not why I uh, put this sermon out. This is the sermon the Lord gave me. But uh, uh, our world has changed. And we need God to awaken us. Our, our world has changed. Your world has changed. Uh, we, we, we knew sometime back uh, it's not like it once was, and, and yet God has not changed. And that is one of the keys that we must always remember. He's, he's not changed. But more than ever, we have to look to God in the middle of our lives. And if there's anything that we need, it's an awakening. You know, some people will talk about revival. It needs to be more than that kind of thing. The situation that we... We've been uh, living through in the last few years have not always been easy, but life has its joys and it has its celebrations, and we need to take those opportunities and to be able to cel- celebrate and encourage one another and to keep moving forward. Yeah, we, we can learn to give God thanks in those times of celebration, but we also get learn to give Him thanks in other times as well. So life also it has its challenges and uh, that can knock us off of our feet at times. And in those times of pain and hurt, we have to learn to open our hearts to hear and receive the love and peace that only God can give us in the human situation that we are in. And the reality is, is we're in the human situation, right? We live in this world, and this world has a lot of crazy things that happens in it. Now, even Jesus, the Son of God himself, he he walked this earth as as a human being like you and I. He walked this, this earth, and, and he knew what it was like to, to suffer. He knew what it was like to, to feel the pain of loss. And, and the scripture speaks of Jesus as the great high priest over in the book of Hebrews. And in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16, these are the words that he says here, right here, right off the bat. It says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. See, sometimes people want to say to God, you don't know, you don't know, you don't understand. He does. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus, the great high priest, knows what it's like to walk in your shoes. And and if you have sandals, even more so, right? Some of you got that. He also knows what it's like to see healing and hope. He understands what it's like, and he was with the Father in the beginning. See, the fact is, we don't always think about it, but he's seen it all. If you think you've seen it all, mm mm-mm. He has seen it all. He's seen it all. And, and if, if we need anything today, it's an awakening in our lives. And that, that, that God himself can revive our lives again. For some, you, you're on the edge of it. For others, you may feel distant from that. 
And, uh, but don't miss out on what Psalm 85 says here as we're going to look in that just shortly. A guy named J. Edward Orr's uh, conclusion is found in the book that he wrote that's called The Coming Great Awakening where he, he summarized in one sentence his 60 years of study on prayer and, and spiritual awakening. And he, and he wrote this, these words. He says, whenever God is ready to do anything new with his people, he always sets them to praying. This was certainly true during the first great awakening, he says. See, the question is, are we really open to what God wants to do in our lives now? Because the world has changed. And we have changed to some level as well. So yesterday I'm outside taking care of things outside, you know, do the, do the lawn work, do those things that you have to do, and went in and sorted some tools and that kind of stuff. But I had this urging in my heart. There you am, the antique cars in there, do the little things around there, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, so what do I do? I have a Bible in my, in my toolbox. And so I pull the Bible out of the toolbox, and, and I sit down there on the stool, and I, and I pray. And I take that time. See, friends, it doesn't matter where we are or what we're doing. Sometimes it's so easy to be caught up in the little things that we want to do. But we have to be able to allow the Spirit of God to speak into our lives at any point and any time. It's important for us, friends. Have you ever had a dream only to wake up and snap out of that dream and you realize where you really were? I think we've all had those things, right? We, we've had those kind of dreams while you were there. Uh, maybe you were dreaming that you were uh, you were out on the uh, on the beach on the ocean, and maybe you were taking in the, the the breeze from the ocean, and you had a nice cool coke in your hand, and and you're just relaxing and enjoying yourself. But the the fact is, is you wake up and and you uh, you you realize that that's not where you are. And may, maybe really you're supposed to get up for work at that point, right? And maybe that's what you have to do. But the, and that's kind of the way those dreams are. But waking up to reality can, it can be a pain or it can be a joy. What's important for us is that we wake up to the reality of what God wants to do in our lives. He wants to do something in us as individuals. He wants to do something as a body. He wants to work in our lives. And, and, and what's important for us is that we wake up to the reality is what he wants to do. Uh, and we're waking up in this different world, in this different human situation than where we were several years ago. It always changes, always in flux. That's just part of living. But, but we have to recognize that God still wants to do something in our lives. We need the awakening so that we can humble ourselves before him and see as he sees. Do you ever think that maybe sometimes we don't want to see like he sees? Maybe we don't want to know what he knows? We've lived for ourselves too long, I'm afraid. We followed our own paths for too long, and it may, and, uh, and it may have been a good path may have been a nice path. It may not have been against God or anything like that. But times have changed and our world has changed and we are here. 
God still has something for each of us to do. Yet, yet we need an awakening like never before. We don't need a revival from the 60s. We don't, we don't need a revival from the 1990s. We don't, we don't need uh, the awakening from the 1700s. We, we don't need those. We don't need an outpouring from years ago. We need God now, and we need him here. We need his presence, his strength, not only uh, that, that we would affect it, he would affect our lives, but the lives of people around us and that it would have an impact on our marketplace. We need God. Amen. Psalm chapter 85. Let's look together there. We'll look at those first three verses where it says, You, Lord, showed favor to your land. You re restored the, the fortresses. Uh, the fortune, sorry, of Jacob, you forgave the, uh, the iniquity of your people and covered all their sins. You, you set aside all your wrath and turned from your fierce anger. There's some kind of, some kind of catastrophe that's happening uh, for Israel at this point, and, and the people of God cry out for deliverance from adversity. And, and since they have already been experienced, they've already experienced the outpouring of destruction and, and, and some difficulties, and uh, they, they, uh, they've also experienced God's mercy and His forgiveness. It's most likely, though, not, not, although we're not certain, scholars aren't certain if, if this psalm happens after God's people are, have been exiled or not. They're not positive about it. But one thing or the other, you can imagine that their world had changed once they were exiled. You can imagine their world was not the same as what it was in the past. And so here they are like this, and, and the world was different for them. It wouldn't be the same. And the pain was there for them as they, as they looked that all in the face. And, and, but God was also there for them, and that's what we must remember, that God is here for us. You need to realize what this psalm is about. In verses 1 to 3 there, we see it's, it's a proclamation of God's past acts. Uh, and we, we have to remind ourselves and we have to proclaim at times, hey, this is what God did in the past. So that means he is able to do something even in our lives today and in our future. And this is a prayerful song that they're saying, God, you've restored us in the past. You've shown us favor to our land uh, by, by giving us crops. God, you, you have even forgiven us in the past when we have, have severely messed up. You know, they know the thing. They know the drill. They know what they've been through. Not only uh, this, God, but you set your wrath aside. You put those things aside for us, and we didn't deserve it, and we know it. Then you see in verses 4 to 7, God's people humble themselves and pray for restoration. They humble themselves. They pray for restoration. Look at what uh, verse 4 goes on to say here in chapter 85. It says, Restore us again, God our Savior, and put away your displeasure toward us. Will, will you be angry with us forever? Will you, will you prolong your anger through all generations? Will you not revive us again? Oh, oh that your people may receive a rejoice in you. Show us your unfailing love, Lord, and grant us your salvation. It, it's a prayer. The psalm is a prayer, and they're, they're seeking God, and that's the way we should be in our lives. We should be like the psalm and let this stuff run through our veins and that we could seek God. 
See, there, there's something that's happening in this, uh, this, prophet, this prophet song here. These people aren't just sitting back and saying, what will be, will be. They aren't just saying, oh, God, this is the way it is. Okay, that's the way it is. They are bombarding the gates of heaven and asking God for restoration. They're willingly opening themselves up to him and asking, will you be angry with us forever? Now, some likely didn't even know if there was something that they had done to offend God or what. We're not sure on the setting of this, you know, as we know. But, uh, but, but the fact is, sometimes we go through some tough times in life simply because of our human condition. But just simply because of, of, of where we're at, mankind has fell into sin, and, and we know it, we get it, and, and it set our whole world onto a path of destruction. And so, sure, there are, there are other times that we, that we make our own messes, don't we? We do it, right? We can, we can make our own messes. not very hard to do it, is it? We can do it. But, but there, are, there, uh, there has to, we have to see that there's just uh, there, those, there's things that run around in our lives and we have to deal with them. And, and uh, we know that we need God to work in our lives. Or are we going to blame God for our circumstances? Now, sure, there are times as you walk through pain that you've done this. That's part of grief sometimes. It's part of grief. But, but once, uh, once you understand, once understanding comes into your heart and you start to realize you can look back and you can see how foolish it really is. God, you, you helped us to make it this far. God, you, you helped us to make it past the things that we've walked through. H have you ever put up a fence maybe around your house or maybe you've seen them do one around your apartment building and they, maybe it's a wood fence, right? And so they go and they put the, they erect the wood fence, they dig the holes, what, every 10 feet or whatever it is, and, and they dig those holes and they put those, wood, those wooden posts in the ground and, you know, they're treated so they last a long time, right? Well, they say about 10 years or so. And so then they pour concrete around that and then they put the rest of the wood, wood fence up and you get to enjoy that fence for a while. But before you know it, you start looking at the fence and and say something is wrong. Give it. You get about 15 years down the road, and you look and you say something's wrong with the fence. It looks kind of like it's kind of leaning. And so you go over to the fence. You put your hand on it. The thing's near ready to fall over. And you're like, okay, what are we going to do here? So you know, you you could do a couple things here. You could uh, go back to the contractor that put that fence up and said, look here. You built this fence. The post rotted off on it. And now look where we are. It's going to fall down. But the contractor would say, well, ma'am, sir, that's a 10-year fence. Remember that I told you that when, we, when you got that? It's not, it's not going to last forever. You didn't, you didn't ask for the steel post filled with concrete. You just asked for the wood post. We could go back to them, but it's not really going to help anything. And so you can't, but you can't leave the fence that way. What do you do? You call the contractor again. You say, after you get all, all off your high horse, you call the contractor and say, look, would you just come and fix the fence for us? So what are you doing? You're humbling yourself to the contractor and say, I'm sorry, would you come and help us out? Would you, would you put some new poles in there? And, uh, and so they come and they say, okay, that, that's fine. And, and so, so it's just like when, when we face pain in our own lives, you, you can't just leave it there. You have to go back to the one who's created you and to seek his face and talk to him. 
Now, sure, there are times, and he's got a thick skin, aren't you glad? There's times you may say, oh, God, how could you have let this happen? Well, we live in the human situation. We live in, the, we live in this world. We live in this human situation. And, and maybe you've cried out to him and said, God, why did you allow this happen? But the facts are we understand that God's still on the throne and he still loves us, but we live in the human situation. And then we can come back to him and ask for help. Here's where we need to step in and look at the words from the prophet Isaiah over in Isaiah chapter 57. Isaiah 57 verse 15 says, says these, uh, writes these words. He said, for this is what the high and exalted one says. He who lives forever, whose name is holy. I live in a high and a holy place, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit to receive the spirit of the lowly and to, revi uh, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. See, Isaiah the prophet, he's, he's speaking for God here and he makes sure that God's people understand some things. It, it isn't really something that most people would expect, but he's in this exalted place, yet he speaks of people who are contrite and lowly in spirit as being with him in that high place. Unusual, isn't it? That they're, they're there with him in that high place. What, what is that word contrite? What, what does that word mean? You know, we don't always use that word much, but uh, uh, it can mean repentant. It can mean apologetic. Lord, we're sorry for, for this or that that we've done, or we're regretful. Uh, we're sorry, well, we're sorry, Lord, we went out and did this or whatever. But, but contrite and lowly in spirit, really, they have that meaning of humility, of being humble before God. And it's important for us to be humble before him. It's likely that the hardest thing, that's the hardest thing for people to do or to be like in their hearts. It's hard. Because whether they're loud and boisterous or if they are quiet and subdued, it does not matter. People's pride can still rule their hearts. And we must humble ourselves before God if we want him not only to awaken our lives, but to awaken our world. We want him to awaken this world. Or do we want to just live it as it is? Do you want it to stay the same old? Or do you want him to work in people's lives? Amen. What God has done anywhere, a pastor, Cal Jernigan, said this, he said, what God has done anywhere with anyone, he can do here, now, and with us. I like that. But here is the other part of this. If we want our hearts and our lives to be awakened, we, we have to humble ourselves before God. And it comes right out of the book of James, out of, out of James chapter 4, verse 10 here. It says this, these words in the New Testament, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Does that kind of remind you of what Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 57, 15, as he records what the Lord was saying there? He said, I live in a high and a holy place, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly, to revive the heart of the contrite. 
Those who humble themselves before God at every level can look for him to awaken their hearts and their lives. But there is something else that we need to be able to see out of this. And when you read on in Isaiah chapter 57, you notice that God sees how we live. He, he knows how we live. And, and, and he, saw, uh, he saw how his people had uh, failed over and over, but he was willing to heal and restore them. And Isaiah chapter 57 verse 18 says this. He said, I've seen their ways, but I will heal them. I will guide them and restore comfort to Israel's mourners, creating praise on their lips. Peace, peace to those far and near, says the Lord, and I will heal them. But, but the difficult part is in these next couple verses here. In verse 21 where he says, But the wicked are like the tossing sea which cannot rest, whose waves cast up mire and mud. And then in verse 21, this, this verse says, There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. Some of you thought that was just an old saying, but it's much more than, it's just, than just an old saying. Uh, there's no rest for the, for the wicked, but, but, but it's, it's much more than that because this is a declaration from God. It's a de declaration from Him, and, and because those who are wicked are those who set, uh, they, they set their focus on their own way and they refuse humility. The last thing that we need to do is refuse humility in our lives. We have to open ourselves up to God and we have to allow Him to work in us. The next part of this is where we really have to pay attention when, when the suffering or the downfall of men causes no heart searching. When we stop searching our hearts, when we run into serious things in our lives, when it raises no problems in our minds, when it de demands no explanation, when, when our lives just go on, it's like, oh yeah, that's a terrible thing we've gone through, and we don't stop and, and, and search our heart. We don't, we don't raise up any questions or problems. We don't demand a, an explanation. It means that though they still may act like they're faithful to God, still living out uh, their, their faith in somehow, uh, but it, it's shown that they are living practical atheism. It's from this practical or basic atheism that springs all the other evils and abuses of which the prophet speaks. But it's about, oh, that's nice. Oh, that's terrible. Whatever. And then they keep rolling. It's like we know what to say. We know what we need to follow, that we need to follow Jesus. But because... We don't take our faith to heart. We live like atheists. Like, like we don't think God really exists. That, my friends, should be scary enough to make us really think. And this is why so many people who call themselves Christians don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus. Makes me wonder if that's the case. The stats show that. Statistics, Barna has done research on that, and there's a large percentage of those that don't believe in the resurrection. It's like, okay, how does that work? God forbid. More than anything, we need, to, we need God, and we need an awakening only that he can provide. 
Are we going to humble ourselves before him so that he can work in our lives? Are we going to allow him to work in us? Uh, are you willing to search your heart and to seek his face? Are you willing to get down on your face before God? Let's go back to Isaiah, or back to uh, the Psalms 85 again. And here we're going to look in verse 8. And the, the, the prophet psalmist uh, has an anticipation of God's salvation. He has an anticipation. He's looking for God to do something. He has this anticipation. And then right after this, he, he writes some words, or what they call an oracle of hope, in verses 9 to 13. And listen to what he says here in verse 8. Uh, Psalm 85, it says, I will listen to what God the Lord says. He promises peace to his people, his faithful servants, but let them not turn to folly. This is where we have to step back a little bit and ask ourselves, are we active listeners? Have you ever thought about that? Are we active listeners to the Lord? Or, or are we distracted by all the other things? You know, it's so easy when every day you, you can go along and your phone distracts you. You get a message, and sometimes that's legitimate stuff, right? But it can be distracting. It can throw us off and, 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 uh, and shove us out of the way a little bit. Is, is social media more important than what our Lord has to say? We, we would say absolutely no, but what we say and what we do shows the reality. But our actions uh, say at times certain things about us. Do, they, does our, do our actions say we're an atheist? That's pretty strong. I know that. I realize. But are your plans more important than God's plans? We would say, no way, not at all. That can't be. His plans are the greatest. But sometimes our actions reveal our unbelief in, in, in this. And, and the psalmist says, and we understand, even, even Thomas struggled with some things there. And some of the other disciples struggle with some things there. It's part of our human situation, right? And that's why we have to remind ourselves about these things to challenge us to step back to the place where we need to be in our relationship with God. And to keep our hearts and our minds open to him so that he can work in us how he would like to work in us. If we're going to expect an awakening in our lives, we're going to need to get some things, put some things to the side. You'll have to open the door so you can listen to what God has to say to your life. We see that he promises peace to people. He promises that peace to people, and we can look to God for that. That's so important. But And the last, uh, last of verse 8, he says these words, but let them not turn to folly. Now, how many times have you and I turned to folly? Uh, we probably can't count them, right? But when you look at that word folly, that's another one of those words we don't use very much anymore. And, uh, and so what does folly really mean? Well, because we don't use it, we don't think about it, but there are some several other words that are like it to give us a clear understanding. And one is foolishness. That's a synonym. I mean, I have madness, uh, silliness, recklessness. 
uh, and even stupidity. Wow, that's a good one. And so when we think about folly, these are some of those words that actually come out to kind of help us understand, but, but let them not turn to folly. Let, may we not turn that direction. May we not run that si- to that side of the world, so to speak. It doesn't mean that we can't have fun or celebrate or enjoy ourselves. Those things are important in life. We, we're meant to celebrate. God created us that way. And, uh, but, but it must not be our chief goal in life. If that's the only thing we think we are focused on, then we, we need to shift our priorities. If, it must not get in our way of listening to what the Lord says to us. Awakening comes when we start focusing on God himself and not on all the foolishness around us. <laughs> because there's a lot of foolishness around us. There's a lot of things that really just don't matter. And, uh, and so if the only thing you pay attention to is the gas price and what movie you're gonna, uh, going to watch this week, you may need to step back a little bit, right? Right now we all can think about the gas price, right? Every day as we see it, it seems like it goes up every day. I, I don't know. I'm going to try to see if I can get somebody to make me a set of feathers and wings and I could just fly. fly the, I don't think that's going to work very well. But hey, if you know how, let me know. You'll be making a lot of them for a lot of people probably. But we have to be able to step back and ask ourselves, what has God been speaking to me this week? Do you stop and ask yourself that? Sometimes we get so busy with all the things that are around us. I know I do at times. Uh, what, uh, somebody asked me when we were at the, uh, at the uh, training seminar this week, uh, uh, it's like, what did you speak on Sunday? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> do you ever get that way? You get so busy and focused on so many things that you can't remember something you did the day before. What's this saying? It's saying we, we have to be able to say, God, what are you speaking into our lives? What have you been saying in this time to me? And, and, and uh, allow him to work in our lives. We need to allow some things to be shifted in us so that we can follow him to the level that we need to. Let's look at these last few verses here in, in uh, Psalm 85, verse 9 to 13. And he, and he says this, uh, they, they write this, he says, Surely his salvation is near those who fear him, This that his glory may dwell in our land. Love and faithfulness meet together. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs forth from the earth, and righteousness looks down from heaven. The Lord will indeed give what is good. Aren't you glad? He gives good things, and our land will yield its harvest. Righteousness goes before him and prepares the way for his steps. If we need anything in this world, even though this world has changed as it has, and that is the way it is, but, uh, may, and maybe your world has changed, but, but we need what he offers to us there in verse 9. That his salvation is near us who fear and that his glory may dwell in our land. We need his glory in our lands. We need his presence among us. We need his strength. We need his wisdom. We don't need a facade. We don't need things that look like it. 
We don't need to just sound like it. We need him and his glory. And it comes when we humble ourselves before him. We need his glory. We, we need him. You need him and I need him. We all need him. And he's willing to give us what is good. Then the question is, is this. Are you willing to meet him? Are you willing to meet him? Are you willing to humble yourself before him? Are, are you willing to allow him to awaken your heart again? Are you willing to step out of your place of comfort? Are you will, willing to listen to what he says to you? Are you willing to set aside the folly that has gotten in your way? If you are, don't, don't live like an atheistic believer. Live like one who's willing to be an active listener to God, one who can bring healing and hope to our lives. See, Jesus knows, and he experienced pain for himself. He faced trouble like, like we can never imagine, yet we have to humble ourselves before God today. Let him bring an awakening and healing into your hearts again. Maybe you need to make some things right with God this morning. Maybe you got some things that the Lord spoke to you about and said, you know what, this thing needs to be thrown off to the side. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, we're missing something, God. We're missing something. Now, we say we aren't a lot of times, but we're missing something. We're missing the strength of your presence that you will provide when we will humble ourselves and honor you. We're missing it, God, and we're asking you this morning that you will release your awakening in our lives. Awaken our hearts, awaken our minds, awaken our lives, awaken our world, Lord. We need you, Lord. Bless you in Jesus' name.